Hi, I'm Art Kaplan at the Division of Medical Ethics at the NYU Langone Medical Center. For decades, it has been a dream of medicine to come up with a total artificial heart. When patients suffer from end-stage heart disease, when they can no longer pump blood uh, due to uh, defects in their heart, whether they're a young child or disease attacking the heart muscle, the idea has been, couldn't we invent a machine that could replace all the functions of the heart? All the way back to 1960 at the NIH, a program was launched to try and build an artificial heart. We've seen efforts made in the United States at the University of Utah, at Audubon Hospital in Louisville in the 80s, again back in the 90s, to try and put artificial hearts, total artificial hearts, into human beings. None have worked. Partial artificial hearts, left ventricular assist devices, have appeared from that effort, and many people, including former Vice President Dick Cheney, have those, and they have lived quality, uh, high-quality lives as a result of having that partial artificial heart. But last Christmas, in France, Carmat, a French company, put in another version of a total artificial heart. And this is obviously something to celebrate. The 75-year-old recipient, at least a couple weeks out from the operation, was doing well. He was talking and cogent. Um, so what could possibly be bad about finding a device that could ultimately be the solution to the plague of heart disease that not only troubles uh, North America, but the world? Well, I think there are some ethical issues to think hard about with the presence of a total artificial heart, let's presume it worked. It has been studied in animals, but really the lifespan that one looks for for a total artificial heart is about three or four years. After that, the mechanical parts of the heart start to wear and tear. You do sometimes get damage to blood cells as they pass through the artificial heart. They get shredded, they get damaged. There are other issues that come up, uh, technical questions with these devices. So I don't think you're really looking at something that's going to give you 20 years of life. At present, even the best left ventricular assist devices, even the best total artificial hearts, you'd have to view them as destination therapies, meaning they should be the therapy of last resort. You're not going anywhere else. But what happens in reality is people on these devices, if they begin to fail, they start to say, well, what about a heart transplant? and naturally doctors who take care of these patients are going to try and advocate for them. As we all know, the shortage of hearts for transplant is enormous. It's the most difficult organ to uh, get access to if you're on a waiting list. Um, the demand far exceeds, exceeds the supply. In the United States, more than half the heart waiting list currently dies. Well, imagine what's going to happen if you have more and more people on total artificial hearts who then are switched over to the wait list. You're going to wind up having an even more extreme competition for scarce hearts for transplant. But there's a variable here. Where pe will people who've been on the total artificial heart and been through the physiological impacts of that do as well as someone who hasn't been put first on an artificial heart? And we don't know the answer to that. We could wind up losing or not using effectively donated hearts from cadavers because it may turn out that those who've been on the total artificial heart just don't do as well as someone who's in heart failure but hasn't been through that surgery and hasn't had the impact of the device on their body. There's some reason to be concerned about that due to the left ventricular assist device as people begin to fail on those 
and get on wait lists. Heart transplantation there is not as good, at least according to the little published data that's out there, as it might be for someone who hasn't been through that surgery. Total artificial hearts are also costly, probably $300,000 to have one. It's going to require maintenance, uh, checkups. It's not something you just install and forget about. There's a burden on the family to watch for issues and problems as well as for the patient. If you took everyone with uh, heart disease and put them all on total artificial hearts, it's billions of dollars of expenditure for our healthcare budget. Now, obviously, if you had good quality of life, you might say it's still something we should pay for. But if those patients wind up having bleeds and depression due to limits on their lifestyle, if they wind up having to go in and out of the hospital due to complications, you can imagine scenarios where a huge expenditure might not produce the benefits that one would hope would come from an artificial organ. We've seen this in kidney dialysis. It's a great invention. It saved lives. Many people have lived for a long time and lived well and enjoyed life because of dialysis, but it has its downside. It doesn't perfectly mimic the function of the kidneys. Many people become anemic. Ultimately, people are unable to continue on dialysis because they run out of access sites to the machine. It can be very difficult for end of life to manage end-stage kidney failure with many dialysis patients. Compliance with diet, being able to handle people with mental illness and other problems, they too can make dialysis quite difficult and very costly. So yes, two cheers for the artificial heart, and I certainly am in the camp that would say, let's continue to develop them, let's continue to perfect them, but let's also keep in mind even a successful technology can raise some very tough ethical and economic issues that have to be part of our discussion of devices like that. I'm Art Kaplan at the Division of Medical Ethics at the NYU Langone Medical Center. Thanks for watching.